It's the Cougars versus the Cougars. Yes, number four, Houston is in town tonight to take on number 21-ranked BYU in a top 25 showdown in Big 12 Conference action. We're getting ready for that game with Locked On Cougs host Parker Ainsworth in a crossover edition of the Locked On Cougars and Locked On Cougs podcast. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Harvey wants to introduce this as Locked on Cougars because both fan bases, I guess, would be appreciative of that. Uh, but welcome to a crossover edition of Locked on Cougs and Cougars today. I'm one of your hosts, Parker Ames. I'm joined by Jake Hatch of Locked on Cougars from BYU. Jake, how you doing? Doing well, Parker. Yeah, that's, that's the funny part about this. You could essentially say, this is Locked on Cougars and you cover all bases. That's the, that's the fun <laughs> part about this type of a crossover is when you have the same mascot, makes it real simple for everybody that's involved. We need to get Washington State involved and we'll just have have a party. <laughs> yes, exactly. We can have, we can have the uh, we have the Wazoo Cougars, the Houston, Houston Cougars, and the BYU Cougars. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of different shades of it too. Um, you know, Houston obviously was anticipating a fun basketball season this year, um, but BYU is also having a fun basketball game, a basketball season. We have a game Tuesday night. If you're listening to this Tuesday morning, and you know, I don't know that coming into the season, I had this matchup circle, if I'm being completely honest, Jake. Mm-hmm. Um, tell the folks listening, you know, I don't know how much you're off, you have a big off, football offseason stuff, too. Sure. How has this basketball season gone for the BYU Cougars, a top 20 team? Oh, and that's the thing about this is it's gone about as well as you could have hoped for. This was a team last year that many BYU fans essentially left for dead. They finished fifth in the West Coast Conference and uh, one of their worst finishes in their 13 years playing in the WCC. And the expectation coming out off a fifth place finish in that conference, and then saying, "Hey, by the way, next year you're going into the best basketball league in the entire country. Uh, good luck on that." And uh, as fate would have it, BYU's picked 13th out of the 14 teams in the preseason. And uh, I'll be honest, I think along with the vast majority of BYU fans thought that was a pretty fair uh, place for BYU to be placed but uh, they've come out of the gate swinging they were th- uh, 12 and 1 in the non-conference uh, they are 2 and 3 in conference play so far but they have the interesting dynamic of having led at halftime in all five of those games Parker so biggest thing for BYU is they got to learn how to finish uh, finish basketball games here well and so I want to ask as Houston is the opposite three and two, but has not won a road game yet. Yeah. Right. Uh, they've had leads in both road games late, lost them close. I'd imagine, and this is maybe the, you know, the newbie in me that BYU appears to be a tough place to play, both because the school spirit, the rah, rah, fun season, those, but also you're traveling up to the mountains to do it. Well, <laughs> right. There's sure. a real factor there. It's not just, you know, student sections. Um, what have you noticed about the fans as they've had a successful season? Is that a real home court advantage? Well, so the Marriott Center in Provo, Utah, for any Houston Cougars fans out there, it packs 19,000 people in, in, into that arena, and it'll be near a sellout, if not a complete sellout, as Houston comes to town. BYU fans have shown up in droves all season long so far. They've been very excited for BYU to be in the Big 12 and to see the caliber of opponent like Houston is uh, coming into Provo, and that's been the fun part about this. So You're, you're going to get a very raucous atmosphere, and that's, that's the one thing you can 
bank on when it comes to when it's when you come to BYU. Now I also say this for Houston. You talk about the elevation factor. It is 4,500 feet above sea level here in Provo, Utah. So uh, it does affect teams when they come up this uh, this far. I can pull back the curtain a little bit. I've got a brother and sister-in-law living just outside of Houston these days. They came back up for Christmas not too long ago. They got here and they lived here for a while before they moved to Houston. But they they came back and like I'm having a hard time breathing. And we're like, well, no duh, you went to sea level. Like, come on now. Like you, you're almost a mile up in the air, and it gets a little thin up up this way. So yeah, that is absolutely a concern. Uh, Houston should have, but uh, knowing how good uh, Kelvin Sampson's teams are and how well conditioned they are, from my outside perspective, I'm expecting they'll handle it just fine. And it's going to be a really really fun game tonight. You say go down to sea level. There's parts of the bayou that are actually, depending on where sure. you are, below sea level. I'm not going to ask you to give out your relative's address, but it, it really is a big difference. I have to ask about. I look at you know I look at common opponents and stuff like that as I get ready to get you know talk about games with the Lockdown Cougs audience. The Utah game, mm-hmm. obvious rival. Um, you did play at their place. Mm-hmm. You know, though I would assume that you can negate the elevation factor when you're going across the state there. But I don't even know. Actually, is it probably like an hour? I don't know how far it's, that is. It's forty. It's forty miles away. So it's about it's about an hour's drive. Yeah, roughly. <laughs> You lost that one. Houston beat that team. I was impressed by Utah. Utah is one of the tougher non-conference teams. Houston played for sure as well. Um, I was interested in that one because I thought Utah shoot the ball, shot the ball very well, and BYU shot the ball, shoots the ball very well. Looks like on the season, how that one break down. It came away short at the end in a tough rivalry game on the road, but. What would you pull away from that one? That was a tough non-conference game. It was, in essence, that game was the only loss of the non-conference slate, and it was actually the only road game BYU played in the non-conference slate, and they had maybe their worst performance of the non-conference season. Now, they played, I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of patsies, it felt like, in that non-conference uh, run, but uh, they've been absolutely dominating people, and Utah used their size advantage. Utah's got a very, very big front line. Brandon Carlson, KBK to Lawson Lovering. Any Houston Cougar fan who watched that Utah and Houston game knows those names, and they absolutely dominated BYU in the high-low game, and it made life miserable for the Cougars. And the other thing about it was, as you mentioned, BYU, for mo- for the most part this season, has shot the ball extremely well. That was the first game where they did not shoot it all that well, and obviously when you leave the friendly confines of the Marriott Center in Provo, well, you're in a different gym, so that's, that, that tends to happen. So... The biggest thing for BYU is I think it foreshadowed some of the issues they've had now in Big 12 play. They've gone against some teams that have got bigger guys on the front line. That's been a problem for BYU. And then the most recent example for BYU is they went to Texas Tech last Saturday. They were up 16 at halftime, Parker. But then Pops Isaac goes off for 32 points in this game, and all of a sudden Texas Tech catches fire, and BYU can't hit the broadside of the barn in the second half. Guess what happens? Houston, I mean, uh, Houston, Texas Tech piles up 50-plus points in the second half and rolls to an 85-78 to victory. So BYU is back at home home where they should be more comfortable shooting the basketball against Houston, but the athleticism, the size that Houston uh, uh, brings to Provo, I know that Houston's not the biggest team in the world, but they still have a lot of size on that front line. It's going to make life very, very difficult for BYU, and I don't think that Mark Pope or anybody involved with BYU basketball is under any illusion that they're going to have an easy time in this game. Oh, I want to ask you one more question about the personnel before we get to the actual knee in the match, and then I want to return the favor if you have anything that you guys might want to know, but Jackson Robinson, when I watch, I watch a couple games get ready for this, Texas Tech, yeah. uh, Baylor, and Central Florida. Um, I tried to cheat a little bit and watch some like common opponents too, mm-hmm. with, like Baylor and stuff. But Jackson Robinson is an impressive athlete. 
Um, he, he's six, seven, I guess around 200 pounds, uh, scores the ball. Well, shoots the ball. Well, lots of BYU guys get shoot the ball. Well, but what can you tell me about Jackson's game? Like, what does he do that you're, you know, Houston needs to be on the watch out for. He's a smooth athlete. A lot of people watch him play and they think he's playing in slow motion. It's because he's a long strider. He's got a very, very long stride, but he's very smooth with how he operates. You mentioned he's six, seven, uh, he's darn near 200 pounds. He's got a seven, one wingspan. That's the other thing about this. He's got this prodigious length. That's a big reason why NBA teams are sniffing around about him as a potential late first round, early second round prospect right now. And we'll see where that all shakes out when the season ends. But this is a kid who BYU doesn't get a lot of these guys who have that length and that athleticism like a Jackson Robinson has. And BYU's benefited from him uh, being the type of player that they've needed this year. Because there have been times that he's had to kind of operate and run the show himself. And he's been able to do that. But the other thing about it is he's also very good in terms of playing within the structure that BYU likes to play launching a lot of threes, moving that ball around the perimeter. He's a very willing passer at the same time. So he has been a very, very nice piece. He's really stepped into his own this year after being a two-time transfer before this. Originally was at Texas A&M, then went to Arkansas before ending up at BYU. And uh, he has made the most of his time in Provo so far, and he's uh, benefiting from it with a very big year so far this year. And then Travis Nell just doesn't miss. That's the deal. Uh, tra- yeah, yeah. He, he he's shooting. Was it forty? It was it was forty seven percent at one point from three. Uh, he is a guy yeah. that BYU didn't have last year. He was out the entire season with a shoulder injury, and they 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 hurt because they were hurt because he was not available to play. Because his ability to come off picks and just launch threes is unprecedented. The other thing about this is, is in a similar circumstance to Jackson Robinson, his reputation at BYU before this year was he was all shooter, no defense. Well, he's actually become one of BYU's better on ball defenders this season. He's not a elite by any means at defending on the perimeter, but he at least is putting a lot more effort and having a lot more success on that side of the basketball. And that's been a really, really big benefit to BYU. Both these, both these Cougar teams are trying to get a big conference win, either the BYU Cougars over a top 10 team or Houston trying to get their first conference win on the road. And I have a feeling that we got some people at home also trying to have a big win this week. And there's no better place to turn than FanDuel because right now the NFL season's kind of wrapping up when the final conference championship stage, the playoffs, uh, our Houston Texans are out, unfortunately, but you can still win at FanDuel because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. If you place a $5 bet, that's a hundred and fifty bucks and bonus bets win or lose. I know the Houston Texans are out, but there's a couple of Houston Cougars on that Baltimore Ravens team, and they are favored by three and a half points. I'm telling you, do it. I'm telling you, do it. FanDuel, Jake. You got any eyes on anything this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on that Baltimore and Kansas City game. Kansas City head coach Andy Reid is a BYU alumnus, and Kyle Van Noy also a BYU alumnus on the other side in the Baltimore game. And then uh, the best linebacker potentially in the NFL right now in Fred Warner. He's a former BYU Cougar himself, uh, sitting in the middle of that defense for San Francisco. So a lot of BYU fans watching these games with uh, really uh, curious to see which Cougars make it to the Super Bowl. But uh, I, I'm currently looking at it. I've got a sneaking suspicion that Kansas City is playing their best ball right now, and they could surprise Baltimore that three and a half is a very tempting line to me and then also I'll say this seven points for San Francisco and against Detroit I'm a 49ers fan but I am very wary of that line <laughs> regardless of which Cougars you want to follow which Cougs you want to follow however you want to do it you need to do it at FanDuel because right now again it's 150 bucks in bonus bets win or lose visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet at FanDuel an official partner of the NFL all right so I gotta ask um Houston's number five team in America. Mm-hmm. I feel like we played a lot of, or number four team, I guess, at the AP poll on Monday. I yeah. should correct myself, actually. Um, 
a lot of intrigue because, frankly, Houston's played a lot of games for a top 10 team. Mm-hmm. They've been a top 10 team all year and they've played a lot of games on ESPN+. And you and I are sickos. I don't know that the average fan is going on to ESPN Plus and looking up other teams all yeah. the time. So what what, what are BYU Cougar fans, what's the intrigue? What do they want to know about Houston? Because we're new to the conference too. Well, I think a lot of people look at Kelvin Sampson and what he has built there in Houston, uh, Parker, and they just kind of wonder, like, what's the secret sauce? What has he done uh, to really get this uh, Houston Cougars team to where they're at? Because this was a program that BYU's played, a, a, they played him a fair amount of times in, in the recent past, not being in the same conference, obviously, until this year, but uh, what has Kelvin Sampson done to really build Houston into the Leviathan that they've become? Well, he's got a, you know, it's year 10. They got a real program <laughs> built at this point, and they're very specific on the types of guys and athletes they recruit. And they have a very strong defensive system and a culture based on toughness in that defense. Uh, so I'm my day job is I teach history and I coach high school basketball. I'm an assistant coach and I love watching us play, frankly, just as a sicko that watches basketball all the time. Uh, but I really do look at this team a lot and see like, schematically they trap at a couple different spots on the floor and they'll do it differently depending on what the team's strengths are and then they do such a great job at rotating and helping the helper afterwards so you know when you get trapped you think okay well jake came and trapped me from the left wing so that means that guy's open but they do such a quick job of moving on a string and rotating around that they force teams to go to second third fourth options force teams to shoot low percentages obviously over the weekend i don't know if byu cougar fan was paying attention or not but they held uh, Central Florida to 15.9% shooting on the game. Just 18 of Central Florida's 42 points came from field goals. <laughs> I mean, it was just Houston will foul you because they are playing that kind of intense level of defense, and I'm sure BYU will make their free throws. But they play a very high level of very fast-paced defense. Um, and then on offense, they – Calvin Sampson admits that he recruits high-end offensive players individually because – he spends a lot of practice time on defense and he needs to let them just kind of go. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot of structure. It looks very pro-like as far as running different quick sets, quick hitters, but no like Princeton offense or anything like that. It's a lot of, a, a lot of hard to predict basketball because we're not really sure we're doing half the time. <laughs> well, so okay, that brings me to my other question. You look at the, the box, the stats and there are three leading scorers. So LJ Cryer obviously is the lead guy, 15.2 points per game. Then you got Sharp and Jamal Shedd. They're all averaging double digits in points. So you talk about the fact that they have more uh, like quick sets, not necessarily super structured offense. Are, are, are they just essentially letting these guys play to their strengths as athletes? Yeah, and Cryer's been a godsend. So Cryer was an all-Big 12 caliber guy at Baylor uh, last year. He was on Baylor's national – he was a freshman, didn't play much, but he was on Baylor's national championship team in 2021. But he's from the Houston area. He's from Katie Morton High School um, at Morton Ranch. And he he came back home when Houston got into the Big 12 because he wanted to play Big 12 basketball but wanted to play at home with his family, not knowing what the pro prospects are because he is an undersized guard. He's listed at 6'2". I bet he's 6'1 and change, right? Um, but he can – shoot it you mentioned BYU's got a bunch of shooters Houston have nearly does not have nearly as many but LJ Cryer fits that mold for sure right does it off movement does it on one dribble pull-ups um really Houston does a great job of finding him as well um in, in all those kinds of actions Jamal Shedd plays basketball like a running back I mean it's downhill attacking the rim he shoots the ball well from three I don't mean to say he doesn't and but he is he attacks the rim puts a lot of pressure on the rim and then finds guys for drop-offs and stuff like that once he collapses the defense um Emmanuel Sharp's been a guy's mentioned you mentioned our top three scores uh mm-hmm. 
to interesting guy to watch develop this season. He was a freshman last year that kind of came off the bench, played behind Marcus Sasser, who now plays on the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was kind of working his way in. He's kind of grown into his own this year. Um, he's kind of got a little bit of both of those two guys in his game. Um, and so it's been a nice, again, three guards, college basketball, you know, guards win in March. I, I feel fairly confident about those three. Well, he run into trouble against – Iowa State and TCU, and frankly, the other couple of close non-conference games we had, is when we see the six-seven perimeter guy, right? Mm-hmm. Because Sharp is six-five, Cryer is six-two, Shed is listed at six-one. If they have a six-five, six-six, six-seven on the perimeter, all of a sudden our matchups are a little bit off, right? I mean, Iowa State beat us with a turnaround shot at the end of the game from a six-seven perimeter guy that we had. Jamal shed on well yeah. that's six one that's six inches right that's a that's a big difference um doesn't really matter how tight your are to him he's going to see over the top of it right and so that's the weakness of i'm picking one right now houston's got a lot of room to grow obviously before march but everybody does um i i love our guards i, I love our guards um the big question for us right now is uh the bench death got hurt with uh, terrence arsenal injury early this season and he tore his achilles so he's out at least till next year um hope for the best out of him he was a great six-man you know rotational guy kind of played a little forward little guard and so we're, we're we're missing that at different times of the season and we hope that we don't get into too much foul trouble there in provo and need it <laughs> frankly well and that's what i was going to ask you because byu right now they're dealing with a little bit of the depth issues themselves they've had some injuries trevin nell's been injured a little bit for sandy triori's also been injured and then noah waterman sat out this past game a little bit of a surprise. So BYU's been playing eight, nine, ten guys most of the season in their rotation. How deep is the rotation for Houston, honestly? Is it go seven deep? Where, where do they stand? They've been sitting at seven or eight, and um, they're trying to find that eight, nine type guy because the way they play defense, the intensity they play with, does wear your legs down. And frankly, it also leads to if you're playing as intense as they want you, you're probably going to get a couple fouls just on hustling after the ball and getting into those double teams and getting after it. Uh, and they're trying to figure out who those other couple guys at the end are. They played an undersized power forward spot a couple different times with Malik Wilson, who's like 6'5", and Ramon Walker, who's 6'4", uh, and kind of try and speed things up because the guys are both very athletic. I mean, I think Malik Wilson like floats when he jumps. I'm not sure it's normal. Um, but that kind of an athlete, right, is what they're trying to replace the power forward spot with some um, Damian Dunn, you know, obviously he he played at Temple last year, transferred to Houston. Um, he's got like some old school, like he's not Carmelo Anthony level talented. Obviously, Carmelo is an NBA Hall of Famer, but he's got that kind of isolation stuff to his game when he comes in off the bench and mixing that with what the rest of the guys do is something they're still figuring out. So the end of that rotation, I think that they're there's some steam there, but it's not quite fully cooked yet, and they're definitely trying to figure that out still. Um, BYU, I will say, I look at their minutes. They look like they had like eight guys playing 15 or more minutes per game this year. That's a lot. That's a lot, Jake. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's the thing about it is you saw them get a little bit worn down in the Texas Tech game because that bench got shorter, and you're right. They, they've been able to kind of distribute the minutes pretty evenly across the board most of the season. But when these injuries have uh, popped up for BYU, it really forces a lot more minutes onto a guy like Dallin Hall, for example, at point guard. So I also want to ask you my last question for you is Dallin Hall right now is kind of the, the lone, real, I guess, true point guard for BYU on their roster. And uh, as a result, they've had some ball handling issues. They've had turnover issues, and he gets a little worn down late in games. And you talk about the pressure that Houston likes to bring on the defensive end. Uh, are you expecting they're going to try and trap him heavily in this game? How do you think they're going to go about trying to get that ball out of his hands? 
Yeah, I would imagine Houston's going to do a pretty strong job of turning him over. And I don't mean that pejoratively. They do that to a lot of people. Um, it, it frankly wouldn't be the first time. But as far as like turnover percentage goes, they're forcing, you know, yeah. 10 turnovers a game, getting 11 steals in some games. I mean, they really do do a good job of turning the ball, turning other people over. It makes for an ugly game. Right? If you're looking for the pretty high flying, uh, you know, 85 to 90 kind of game, I don't know that this is going to be that. And, um, and frankly, Houston has lost a couple of them too. I don't mean to say that Houston's like perfect or impervious or whatever, but it's going to be the kind of game where I'd imagine the winning team is in the sixties. Now, BYU can get to 60 in a hurry. They shoot the mm-hmm. ball very well. I, I don't mean to say that they're in a whole heck of a lot of trouble, which is what I'm interested by the spread of this game being at, you know, just two and a half Houston's way. Houston's a top five team. And I want to ask you in a second, the third segment, kind of what you saw that and what you mm-hmm. thought about that. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Utah Community Credit Union. Learn and earn as part of the UCC mobile banking app is paying your entire family to learn about money. All of us want to be smarter when it comes to our finances. Let's be real, my friends, but we may not always have those answers. Learn and earn breaks down those financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games featuring quizzes and trivia to make it as simple as possible to learn about these financial topics. And the best part is your family can all be involved with it. Every time a family member completes a topic, you earn points and accrue and be redeemed for gift cards to places like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family. Y'all can compete against one another and track your progress on leaderboards as well. And, of course, the UCCU mobile banking app has Learn and Earn inside of it. So you can literally play at any time, anywhere. And, of course, the more you play, the more you learn. And the more you learn, the more you earn. It's as simple as that. It's Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning B-Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun with becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of your friends over over at UCCU, love where you bank. So the spread in this game is two and a half. Mm-hmm. If we're playing prediction games, that means they're looking at like 63 to 60, like <laughs> the kind of game where BYU comes down and has a shot to maybe win it or a shot to tie it up and they can shoot the ball. So that three point thing kind of makes me nervous. Right. Uh, and they're at home and always yeah. better at home. When you saw the spread being two and a half, I mean, Houston's been a top five team all year. Um, I, I have my thoughts, but what did you think when you saw that? Uh, I thought it was too small, uh, honestly, because <laughs> like, I'll be honest. like This is a Houston team that they the way they line up screams to me exactly what BYU doesn't need right now. What I mean by that is it's a pressing defense who the, their whole identity of what Kelvin Sampson, as you mentioned, is built, is all built and predicated on defense. They want to press you. They want to get that ball out of your hands. They want to force turnovers and get into transition. This is not a Texas uh, – no, excuse me, uh, Texas, wow, Texas. I got Texas on the mind because they're after Houston, but there's not a Houston team that is going to uh, dominate you with elite size on the front court, but what they can do is they can run in transition. Any of you, anybody who's watched Houston knows when they turn turn teams over, they like to get out in transition, and that's that's the problem for BYU right now is at times their turnover issues, I can point to just this past Saturday against Texas Tech. BYU had, I believe it was 12 turnovers. Texas Tech converted those 12 turnovers into 22 points. BYU forced six turnovers against Texas Tech and converted just four points off of those turnovers, uh, Parker. It's a huge key. When BYU loses these games, they're absolutely getting dominated in points off turnovers, and that is a terrifying proposition when going up against a team like Houston. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to be rude. I don't think it's going to play to your favor in this no. one. I, I, I will say the thing I saw it as is like, does Vegas know something about Houston on the road that I'm not seeing? Well, because Houston has lost two road conference games. They've mm-hmm. only two games they played in the conference on the road so far, both in tough environments, TCU being not an in-state rival yet, but certainly could become one. And then Iowa State, it's just hard to win there. Um BYU and Provo feels like that kind of a thing to me. I'm like, does Vegas know something about Houston that I hadn't figured out yet? That's that's what I saw in that. I was worried. Well, and that's the one thing you, you mentioned a little bit earlier. The, the guard line for Houston is extremely talented, but they are small. Dallin Hall is BYU's starting point guard, and he stands six foot four. Their starting two man is either Trevin Nell or Jackson Robinson. Trevin Nell, six foot five. Jackson Robinson, six seven. Richie Saunders, six seven. The, the guard line for BYU is very tall, and you mentioned they shoot the ball at a very high clip. It's especially from three. When BYU's on, that could be the big difference in this game. If BYU is hitting threes and hitting them in bunches, that's where it's going to stay really, really close in this game all the way because BYU's ability to answer twos for threes will help them to a large degree, even if they are are having some turnover issues because just the math works out that way. So I think that's maybe something that uh, they're looking at in Vegas saying, okay, this is a really big guard line for BYU that shoots the three at a pretty high clip. If they're on, they can make life miserable for Houston. And that's, that's really the one I guess you want a key to the game for me speaking about BYU is they've got to be able to hit about 40% on their three pointers in this game if they want to win if they want to get the upset in Provo they've got to be shooting the three maybe at the best they've shot it all season long well, that's it. Funny because my key to the game is the inverse. My key to the game is I, you got to run BYU off the three. Yes. I'm not saying give up layups, but have Javier Francis back there defending the rim, our, our big center, yeah. you know, and then run those other guys off the line and make them shoot in the mid range. They'll still they'll still knock them down. They're still really good shooters, but they're just worth less points. And you're just trying to force that 40 percent shooter to be shooting 40 percent from two and not 40 percent from three. That's a whole different proposition. Houston's done it a couple times against teams like uh, Utah. Shot pretty well and. And, uh, and Penn, I think, is a, you know a team that came into the game shooting pretty well. They didn't shoot very well against Houston, but you, but BYU is doing it at a different clip than those guys are, and so it it is it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out Tuesday night. Um, the Big Twelve is fun for basketball, man. It's a fun mm-hmm. basketball conference. Oh, it is, and that's that's the thing about this. I, you, Houston, along with BYU, are newcomers to this conference, and the basketball side of things has been absolutely electric. I know BYU fans are ecstatic. I'm sure Houston fans are as well. The nice part about Houston is they've been doing this in the AAC already at a very high level, and then just kind of transitioning into this league. BYU, we already kind of started off today's show. It's been a really big surprise this season how well BYU's playing, but it bodes well for the future because a lot of the guys that BYU has on this roster right now, uh, obviously transfer portal and NIL can affect that, but uh, they're all relatively young, and that should allow BYU to get some uh, some growth out of this group, which that would benefit this program to have some guys grow together a little bit. Last point, because I don't mean to take – I mean, we don't have a whole lot of time left. You mentioned NIL. You mentioned Transfer Portal. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about how that's going for the football program right yeah. now because, honestly – that's what everyone's watching all the time these days, right? Is that like, who's the latest Colorado signee? Who's the latest for us Houston mm-hmm. guy? Who's the latest guy to sign a big, you know, multi-whatever deal? How is that working for for BYU? Are you seeing a Big 12 bump in that at all? There is a bump, yes. There's been a recruiting bump for BYU overall, and I'm including junior college, high school, and transfer portal with BYU being in the Big 12. They have benefited from it. Last year, the coaches have kind of admitted, and they've actually said it on my radio station. I work in sports radio here in Salt Lake City. They've come on and said that they've leaned a little too hard, they feel like, into the transfer portal cycle last year, maybe adding too many guys via the portal, and the continuity and the the gelling that you need to have as a team didn't necessarily come to fruition for BYU as they slumped to a 5-7 and seven record year one here in the Big 12. But 
the thing is they've been very judicious this year. They've added some pieces via the transfer portal they think are going to be better fits uh, this year for BYU. The other thing is on the NIL front, BYU's got two collectives working alongside the athletic department trying to help these athletes out. And uh, BYU does it in their own way. It's a religiously affiliated university. We get all that, but they are doing their best with with as, as with the resources that they that they have so far. So I feel like they're being competitive. Uh, I do believe they could do a little bit more if they were to will, were willing to you know kind of loosen the reins a little bit, as it were, when it comes to maybe uh, shelling out a little a few more dollars. But hey, uh, that's everybody's hope in NIL, unless you're like Ohio State out there. So uh, I I wanted to kind of throw a similar question to you, but obviously there's a new uh, regime taking over. At Houston in football, Willie Fritz. I, I loved uh, Tulane with Willie Fritz at the helm. That was a really, really fun football program. I watched more Tulane football than I care to admit with him <laughs> running the thing. But I thought it was a home run hire. If you're going to get rid of, da- rid of Dana Holgerson there in Houston, Willie Fritz seems like a home run uh, get to just come over from uh, New Orleans to go into Houston there and take over this program. What's the reception been like so far for Coach Fritz? People love him. Uh, I will say the deal with Fritz has been everywhere he's been. And Tulane took a minute because they went a pretty bad yeah. spot when he got there. But everywhere he's been has turned into a winner. He did it at the Division Two level. He did the FCS level. He did it, frankly, NAIA. I mean, everywhere he goes has turned into, at some point while he's there, a winner. Some place faster than others. He loves the Bayou region from New Orleans to Houston. Did a lot of work at Sam Houston State mm-hmm. and at Blinn Junior College. Uh, earlier in his career. I think the one complaint anyone had is like, you know, at the age he's, at, he's probably only here five or six years and what's going to come next. I'm like, let's figure out that let's, let's get there. <laughs> like, let, let, let's, let's worry about that problem when it happens right now. He's a great football coach. He's put together a pretty strong staff, uh, pulled in Kevin Barbe from Mississippi state as an offense coordinator. And, uh, uh, he's bringing his own guys on the defensive side. And I'm excited about it. I think most people in Houston though are most excited about the fact that after Dana Holgerson had said that the ship had sailed in the 2024 recruiting class and that we're already looking at 2025 because we were just done recruiting recruiting with seven signees in there or seven commits, I should say in the 2024 class at the, at that moment, uh, you know, Fritz came in and doubled it before signing day. I mean, he had three weeks, get it done. They were up over 16. He has some transfers coming into, you know, a lot of guys admittedly from small to rules trying to, you know, earn their keep at a big program, in the big 12, but mm-hmm. we trust, we trust the eye for talent just are frankly excited to have new stuff happening. Um, okay. Things were getting a little stale, and I think that new is good. Uh, there was the excitement of the Big 12 last year, and then they went 4-8, and eight, and it was okay. Well, what's the excitement going to be for year two in the Big 12? The excitement is the new coach, new program. Um, people are definitely stoked about what's going on. Um, and we're talking about basketball Tuesday night. <laughs> the game's a road game, but Willie Fritz has been very visible at all the home games. I mean, he is into it. He is rah-rah. He is showing recruits around, and and he's kind of you know peeling off the program a little bit too. He's like showing the recruits like, hey, look how – Fun this is when we're winning in Houston. Like, isn't that cool? Uh, <laughs> I, hey, I can tell you, BYU football has been doing that exact thing. They finished five and seven. They missed on out of bowl game. Trust me, BYU football is leaning into any positive they can get. And with it, as good as the basketball program has been here in Provo, trust me, Kalani Satake and his staff are showing their recruits all around the Marriott Center themselves. So, I, I, yeah, that's that's absolutely the same thing that's happening in Provo. You mentioned you're on the radio in Salt Lake City. You got a bunch of work going on, Jake. Um, honestly, I'm sure people from my side of the world here are going to want to know your perspective more. Where can people find you and the work you've been doing, all the kind of stuff you're doing out there in Salt Lake? 
Yeah, so if you want uh, my radio work, it's called the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City. We're the radio home of the Utah Jazz. I know you Houston Rockets fans are are <laughs> gloating a little bit after that overtime win the other night in Houston. Tough but game. Tough, tough game. game. Fun game, but tough game, obviously, yeah. for on the Utah side of things. Uh, so you can check it out, the KSL Sports Zone, uh, where I do our morning drives, so 6 to 10 a.m. every morning, Mountain Time. So that'd be 7 to 11 for those of you in the Central Time Zone out there. And then also with uh, what I do for BYU, I do this podcast every single day, Locked on Cougars. Find out wherever you get your podcast also on YouTube. It's it's been fun to do. I'm one of the OGs on the network here. I was I have been doing this for 5 plus years. Uh nearly 1500 episodes now in, in, under my belt. It's crazy to consider I've been doing it that long, but it is a ton of fun to do it. So check us out on social media Locked On Cougars. Uh you can find it it's under all those handles whether it's on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And then if you're watching this on YouTube, uh my Twitter handle if you want my thoughts on all things sports, Jacob C Hatch. Thank you so much, Kamran, Jacob. And again, anyone looking for Houston stuff, I talk about the Rockets and the mm-hmm. Texans and the Astros and all things. Occasionally, DJ Screw, too. Anything Houston, you can find me at okay. Painsworth 512 P-A-I-N-S-O-R-T-H-512 on all social media handles. Uh, Jake, thanks for coming on. I hope you have a fun one Tuesday night. Uh, I got to admit, we'll be wearing red Cougars, the blue Cougars. Hey. Hope hope there's not only I don't know, hope that that stays very clean and all those kinds of things. The good news is it sounds like Parker. This is going to be more regular thing moving forward here because we got Houston and uh, BYU playing in football this fall as well. So uh, we'll do this more often. But thanks for having me. For sure, man. It's be a fun time. Gonna be a fun time. Go Cougs. Go Cougs.